Hello everybody and welcome to Blades for Days where we're going to talk about swords and sword fighting, historical European martial arts and sword making. I'm your host Jordan. Joining me today is my good friend Alex Timmerman from Kraken Swords. Hey buddy. Yo, you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, there we go. Let's fix this camera up. Yeah, that's about good. Got some swords, yeah. got my head. <laughs> just that's all zoom you in a little. Yeah, I um, I started, I've, you can't see it, but my laptop, because I'm using my laptop camera, is basically hanging off the edge of the desk. Because if I, if I bring it to where I'd normally have it, my face is huge. So <laughs> I'm just backing way out because I'm like, <laughs> you know, um, but if you just sort of see the laptop suddenly clatter to the floor, you, you know why. Um, I'm sort of counterbalancing it by putting loads of stuff on it. Um, so yeah. I've, I've taken my GoPro tripod, which doesn't have a mount for a camera, and one of these like arms that has a clip at the end. I've just taped it to the tripod so that the mm -hmm. arm is sticking out with the clamp on it. I love stuff like that. Um, I, I did like a short film thing once just because I was in the mood to do a short film, you know, as you do. And uh, the only thing I had was a broomstick and like an old style camcorder and a load of duct tape. So, oh, yeah, that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, I was probably into like guerrilla filming and stuff. I was like, yeah, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to make clerks. And yeah, you know, didn't. Didn't pan out that way. <laughs> I do love uh, all the woods fighting, though. That's just awesome. I know. I, I love fighting in the woods. And I'm really glad that my guys like fighting in the woods, too. Um, because I've had... To, I've done it before. Where I'm like, hey, guys, let's go to the woods. And they're like, oh, no, it's raining. And, you know, there's a stone in my shoe and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So um, having these guys just going, yeah, let's do it. My... Uh, our classes restart uh, tomorrow for the first time. So, did not? Did I not hear from Mike that? Wait, are you guys in Cardiff? Yeah, we're in Cardiff and Caerphilly. So one of our branches is going to stay closed. Down. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna stay closed for you know a bit, um, however long that is, uh, and then. Yeah, we'll open it up again. It'll be fine. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, fun, fun is temporarily and indefinitely canceled. It seems. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I kind of figured this would happen again because they were like, "Oh, there's going to be another another wave, and you know, maybe a third and fourth wave." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know. You know, um, we'll we'll have to figure something out." Like I said, when we spoke last time, I've been doing online videos for my students. Uh -huh. uh, and that's fine. It's okay. But I've been doing it out the back and soon it's going to start raining. I don't mind oh, the rain right. personally, but, you know, uh, my computer. Video. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't know how that's going to work. Well, again, we'll figure something out. Uh, I've got mine limited to six, six students for the moment. And they're all regulars from before COVID. So I'm not really taking anybody new, even though my inbox is piling up. Yeah. Um, it's hard because I'm like, there's no regulation for me right now. I mean, I can literally hold classes if I wanted to 20 person class, but that doesn't necessarily seem safe. I mean, like mm -hmm. 
you guys have you guys's waves are so under control it's ridiculous they're like 2,000 cases I'm like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like we do 40,000 cases a day you know? <laughs> like, come on. so I mean like you guys are like having a wave and really it's just like a few nuttos out at the pub spreading it to each other whereas like our nuttos are out at Universal Studios and the coast and the beach spreading it to each other by the thousand, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. You guys, um, you guys will be back on point way, way faster than us, I think. It's just, it's the same reason I don't like, so I could get on a plane right now. I could buy a ticket. I could fly to UK and Nick and Esther have been dying to have me over ever since April when I, or, or, or March when my first trip got shit on for COVID. And, and we can't wait to get together and drink and fight and hang out. But it's not that I don't want to do the, the, the eight day thing of, of isolation when I get there. It's that I don't want to go into the airport in Florida. <laughs> you follow me? Like, I just don't want to go there right now. Yeah. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't strike me as like the safest thing to do. So there's no regulation on anybody telling me I can't have classes. I just want to have classes and I'm trying to do it in the, the most limited way possible. So it's just like the same, you know, four people, four or five people. And I have some, sometimes I have people check in with me to make sure there's not too many people already going to be there so that they can come have a turn. But that's, that's basically it. Yeah. We're doing, um, we're doing like a, a Facebook poll because we've got quite a large space that we can use. Um, but we're doing like a poll and it's like, we'll limit it to X amount of people. Mm. Um, and I've got first, second and third priority because I said at the, uh, at the start of lockdown, you don't have to, you know, you can cancel your subscription obviously. Um, and uh, a lot of students, opted to continue their subscription because I was putting together these videos because I was organizing movie night and D and D night and you know, whatever else. Right. Yeah. Which was really sweet of them. So th they were just trying to support uh, Melissa and I. Um, so they kept their subscriptions going. So as far as I'm concerned, if I get any spots, it's, it belongs to them straight off. Right. Um, right. Right. And then we've got, uh, sort of like second priority if you remember beforehand um, and then you cancel your subscription which is fine you guys can come and then third priority are new students so if i can't fill those slots then i'll say oh hey you got in touch do you want to come along this right. one time to try it out um but i have been thinking um considering the amount of interest we've had, I'm never going to get to that third priority rung. Um, yeah. I have been thinking that I might just sort of say, yeah, we're not open to new students at the moment. That's what I've done. Um, yeah. Just basically flat out. I'm just not taking new students. I've, I've probably got two dozen emails with either. Can I start a request for info? <clears throat> that sort of thing. But nobody, I'm not taking anybody brand new right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and because you don't, you don't know what they're like, you know, your guys, it's the truth. yeah, you understand, you know, if you, if you say, okay, these are the restrictions in the class, you know, that they're going to, they're, they're going to follow that. Somebody new comes in, you don't know what they're, you know, they might be a window licker. You don't know what you've got going on. Like, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <true>. <laughs> 
and you're like, you, you know, you're like, hey, back off, man. I had a guy um, in the the supermarket, and he's he's coughing everywhere, and I, you know, he's in the queue behind me, and, he, and he's, he's like, he's coughing away. He's not wearing a mask or anything, and he's literally right next to my shoulder, and I'm like, buddy, come on, man, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's not even, that's not even okay if there's no COVID. You can't creep no, up right? on somebody and call yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's like, he's like, oh, it's all government propaganda. And I'm like, just, just yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. But even so, I don't want you coughing on my arm. You know, right? No, that's the truth. Yeah, um, we're getting we're getting more and more mask participation here. Like people people in general are kind of wearing masks out and about now, but it, it's only recent. I mean, like we're getting 40,000 cases a day and people are like, nah, masks are dumb. And then finally, finally, they're like, all right, well, we'll mostly wear it. It's got to the point where finally there's more people in masks and the, there's like a few random, you know, sort of, they're almost isolationists now that are not wearing the mask. And yeah. so, you know, in general, we still have a ton of cases, but like the mask thing seems to be making a dent now that we're getting more participation in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can't, I can't do it. I'm like, it's too, it's too like, just, I don't know what you call it. Insensitive, not caring about other people, whatever, to just walk around, you know, what if you just got a cold? I don't care if you got a cold. That's that sucks for you. Get a lozenge or something. But there's no need to cough on me. Yeah, and um, definitely wear a mask if you're in the middle of a pandemic and you have a cold. Because you said when you first, you, you know, we were talking on um, Facebook, and you said that when it first started, you were wearing a mask and nobody else was, and you had that kind of feeling where you're like, wait, am I the crazy one? You know, yeah. <laughs> you do at first and, and it's like it, when it first started and they're like everybody should be wearing masks and I'm like that makes perfect sense I'm going to wear a mask everywhere I go and it's been like that for me since March you yeah. know what I mean like and then but now it's like it's the total opposite everybody's wearing masks but in the beginning I went to the store and people are like is there something wrong with this guy is he robbing a bank or <laughs> and now I'm like now I'm wearing triple layer bandana mask because it's just full, you know, it's cotton folded over. And so I do look yeah. like a proper bank robber when I go out, you know, because they. I had the same thing. I had, uh, I was wearing a buff and I was wearing it as a mask. So I pulled it up over, you know, my nose and mouth uh, and it was really sunny. So I was wearing my um, aviators, you know, big glasses. Right, right. And, um, but then it started like there was a kind of sunny shower. So I was wearing my hoodie. I pulled my hood up and I went into a <laughs> shop and the guy's looking at me and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, I can see how this, how this looks to you. Am I being sensitive or am I about to, you know, roll you over, you know? So, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like we don't, you know, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's our response here was a bit saner than it was out, out with you guys. Cause Obviously, yeah, you're in Florida watching some of the news coming in from Florida and people sort of, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's un-American to wear a mask and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, just just wear an American flag mask. Yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> some people are. Some, some, I mean, like, I wouldn't say it's an exclusively a right-wing thing, but some of the right-wing folks that were a little, res 
or a lot resistant to masks have just put a slogan on them or done something patriotic, you know, and, but now they're wearing a mask and who cares if it's got a slogan because it's helping. Exactly. You can pretend you're a flagpole. You've got the right, American right. flag majestically flapping on your face. It's a yep. dream come true. What do you know? Yeah, like so, every word you speak is now coming from America. Oh, yeah. That, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, because we've talked a little bit. I, I can't remember who it was, your uh, uh, chief of police or your sheriff, the guy who's like, hey, if somebody breaks into your house, you blast them back out again kind of thing. Yep. Um, that is our uh, our local sheriff, actually. Yeah, his name's Grady Judd, and, and he is a big Second Amendment, defend your home, make the criminals too afraid to break in type of guy. And he supports, he actively supports homeowners, like, in the law. Like, he will go in and say, I have told the citizens in my county to behave in a certain way in accordance with the law and then if if some other agency tries to give him a hard time he goes sorry <laughs> like this is this is this is the county we live in these are the rules i set because he's the sheriff he supersedes everyone except for the state police and they don't they don't really uh patrol anything except for the, the major highways and and stuff like that and so he's he's a bit of a he's a character. Yeah. I mean, he is absolutely a character. He sounds like uh, the villain from Dukes of Hazard. You know the sheriff. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. But the, <laughs> the the funny part about it is though that um, the sheriffs around here, despite what many other departments in our uh, in in, a, in America in general ha have rep bad reputations for one way or another, like. The thing that they have a bad reputation for is writing speeding fines. You know, like they're, for all the arrests they make and all the stuff that they do, they rarely, if ever, get accused of any forms of manhandling or brutality. They don't shoot people. They don't, I mean, I'm, I'm at their police. I imagine they've had to shoot people, but I mean, yeah. that's not a thing that, that this area necessarily faces on a on a massive scale i mean there's always bad apples everywhere so i can't say there's nothing but on the whole our department's not really our local departments aren't really known for that they hassle people for fines and uh, uh expired license plates and and uh you know just just simple stuff like that that makes their presence very felt so you're constantly seeing people pulled over and the cops doing their job and so every day you're thinking to yourself there's police nearby and it, it helps to keep helps to keep the I think it helps to keep the, the local crimes to a minimum. Sure. I mean, we've got kind of we sort of have that, but it's usually like they're pulling people over for speeding. But then, you know, when somebody guns it past them or whatever, they're like, ah, we'll, we'll let them go. They, they might be dangerous. So, you know, um. <laughs> Yeah, they, they do have a habit here of like dragging out the pulled over process. So like first it's, oh, well, you were speeding. And then it's like, oh, well, your headlights in disrepair and your license plate's dirty and, and all these little things they can nitpick about. And then they're like, well, let's have a look around the vehicle and all that stuff. And you're, you're tied up on the side of the road for 45 minutes. And at the end of the day, all they have is a $100 fine for you. I'm like, thanks a lot, dude. I had... I had stuff to do today. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm late for my wedding. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, that's, 
they'd probably have a laugh with that. They'd write you a ticket, but then then maybe they'd gun the lights for you and let you follow them to your. I've seen I've seen the local cops do that before. They're really not bad sort. Ah, that's all right. Yeah. Um. All right, because that's you know with uh, Florida kind of being up in arms in the news that I saw and um that's just local by the way if any of this ends up in the video I'm talking about my local people law enforcement right okay in okay Davenport <laughs> Florida which is this big okay yeah. and the cops the cops are annoying but very yeah. decent as far as I can tell all right all right cool um so if they like if somehow against all odds this became a, a phenomenon and the police ended up hearing it they're not like ah oh, we're gonna get that alex timmerman yeah, right. <laughs> we're, we're gonna pull him over every time he's uh, he's going to work we didn't see much on my side about five miles from here there was a protest at a massive shopping center and um my local davenport um actually not davenport the uh polk county which is that sheriff um the one who says, use your guns, everybody, when it came time for them to have a chance to deal with the crowd, there's literally video of them just dumping. They literally went upwind, and they just dumped canisters of tear, of tear gas, and they backed off, and they, everybody just hauled ass, and there was no riot and no protest and no nothing. Yeah. The crowd <laughs> got this first, and... and far as I can tell, nobody got hurt. That was the biggest uh, close event that we saw. Yeah. Um, it does seem like sometimes the police are just giving them a target. I mean, it, it's easy for me to say, to watch all this terrible media that we've seen and go, cops are bad. But the truth is the last two times I've pulled over, I could tell the officers were very high strung and just dying to do their job. But they're like, clean license plate, boring, Has, hasn't had a ticket in years, boring. And they're like, you can go. Yeah. You know, so it's like, they, I, I, I can honestly say that despite my tendency to jump on that bandwagon, I, I've just been treated too fairly. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. So I, the last time I dealt with the police in any, you know, real way was um, in a park um there's like a little out of the way park uh a friend of, a friend of mine and i we were sparring and this guy came over and he's you know he's a police officer he said oh we've um we've had a report of uh two people fighting in a park and i'm like we're both wearing you know we're both wearing academy hoodies we're both we're, you know right. we're both wearing protective gear and it's like uh, it, this is hardly a gang fight you know um right, right. you know like i it would be amazing if gang fights were like that. Yeah, we're going to choose right. two champions. Um, they're going to go to somewhere secluded and just fight in the woods. And, uh, the old way. The yeah, old way. that would be great. But yeah, he just kind of went. I could see that you're like he had a look at the he had a look at the swords, uh, saw that they were roll tipped, um, saw that they weren't sharp, and he was like, "Cool, I'm out of here." And I'm like, "Do, do you want to? You know, do you want do you want to maybe join us? Like, try it out sometime." Sure. He's like. He's like, no, nah, I'm out of here. You guys are nerds. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, bye. <laughs> so. That's funny. That's like the answer I get the most. I'm like, you do realize we're training for like sword martial arts, right? You know, like I, I we are nerds, but I'm like, I don't, I don't think you quite understand what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I used to do Krav and the guy that I trained with, 
he was Krav Maga's so good. Krav Maga's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I love doing it. Um, I just because I was doing it in Bristol when I lived there, and then I moved to Cardiff. And uh, the times I asked the guy that I was training with if there was somebody in Cardiff I could train with, and he said, "Yeah," but the times just didn't line up with the classes I'm running. So he runs classes when I'm running classes. So I couldn't. Um, I haven't been able to do it for a little while. But my instructor in Bristol. Um, guy called uh, Jim Holton, absolutely like the guy's a tank, you know, he's, he's one of those people. I feel like even if I hit him, I just wouldn't hurt him. I just start apologizing <laughs> immediately. and just go, Oh God, please don't. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the worst. You're like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that if I just take a full step and lunge and give you a right cross to the cheek, you're just going to get angry. Ah, I know. I was <laughs> grappling with him. We were doing ground fighting, and I tried to A-frame him to push him off me with both hands. And I, I started just, like, pushing against his chest, and it was like granite. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> it's like you start pushing him. yourself backwards. <laughs> yeah, into the ground, you know? Um so yeah, um, the the guy was absolutely nails, and we were talking once, and I was like, yeah, but you know, if if I like if I had a sword, and he's like, ah, I don't know, um, and uh, I was talking about it, and I'm like, yeah, but you can you can get hit in the face with a fist and kind of shrug it off sometimes, you know, walk away. You get hit in the face with a sword. It's a it's a bit as long as it's not the as long as it's not the chin, you should probably be all right. Yeah. From a fist shot. Yeah, from a fist. From a sword. If I get hit in the chin with a sword, you know, I'm it's like, no, yeah, it's, it's over. Yeah. So I'm like, who's really the nerd, Jim? And he's like, it's still you. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the truth. Yeah. So, I have no problem being a sword nerd. No, me too. Like, whatever, man. Like, you know, it. you, uh, you tell people what you do immediately that's the conversation you know yeah um I, oh i'm in investment banking oh cool yeah great you know so what what term do you use when you when you tell people what you do like what what word do you do to keep it short to make an explanation uh yeah that's a point actually it does, yeah because it does depend on the crowd if i'm trying to impress people then you know i'll, I'll i'm like what if to... what if they're they're totally sword vanilla like they just know nothing i i don't yeah, I don't know because generally I find that sword vanilla people, you, you know, they're into football or you know, yeah, soccer, um, and stuff like that. So you say, oh yeah, I uh, I fight with swords, and they immediately go to LARP or they go to you know whatever they've seen on TV. Yeah, yeah. Most exposure, and uh, I don't want to explain it to sword vanilla people. I generally I'm like you're uninitiated. You know, you're not one of the chosen. You you can you keep your fucking football and your you know right. your, you know. So I'm like, um, you're never gonna understand. So I no, use exactly. The, I, use, I use the I'm a competitive sword fighter and sword manufacturer, and they're like, what? And I just go, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's cool. And they go, so yeah. you, you go, you fight with swords, and I go, yes. No yeah. further explanation. You just get to wonder what that's like. They're probably picturing giant montantes and game of thrones and all yeah. this stuff and i just let them i just let them go yeah, yeah that's what we do. and then yeah. they lie awake at night thinking what wrong turns did i take that led me here <laughs> what right turns did that guy make that led him there you know right yeah 
Um, no, I, yeah, competitive sword fight is good because if you say something like historical martial artist or you know historical fencer, then yeah, you still you got to follow it up with some stuff. Um, I yeah, I generally I don't know actually because I'm. I don't like having to explain it to people a lot of the time. You know, I don't either. Yeah, if you know me, you know what I'm doing. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you go through that kind of like, it, you know, that that um, sort of trained conversation. You know, you've already done this a dozen times. No, it's not reenactment. No, it's different right. to Olympic sports. It becomes sports. a bored explanation. You're like, no, yeah, it's not this. Yeah. No, it's not like, oh, it's kind of like fencing, but not really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't get it. Don't just don't worry about it. I so I had um, this really, it, it you know, it kind of took me off guard um, because I opened up the second chapter of the Academy of Steel in Philly and um, about. A few weeks in, I get a, a message from this girl called Rian on Instagram, and she's like, "Hey, I want to, I want to join the academy. I want to do all this sort of stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, cool, okay." So I'm sat in the lobby waiting for the students to turn up, and there's a class starting next to us, and there's people playing volleyball, and, and um, a group of girls who are playing volleyball, and. Um, Rian comes in and she's wearing, at the time she was wearing like a pink tracksuit and she's got blonde hair and she comes up and she goes, uh, hey, are you the Academy of Steel? And I went, um, yeah. And she goes, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm here to do sword fighting. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, right. Not like, like, cause normally the people who come along are dudes with beards. You know? Right, right. So, I was like, yeah, yeah, awesome. And she's like really into Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Plus, you know, she's got some serious skill. Oh man, um, before, uh, obviously they're not coming now because the group doesn't get together, but I had like a women's activity group um, who was coming to the club pretty regularly for several months. And there's uh, it's about eight of them. And they, they meant to just come for like 60 days, you know, two months. And then they switched to a new activity, right? But most of them really liked it. And they're like, they became like very gung ho sword fighting students. And I'm like, awesome. I'm like, so you started out rock climbing and canoeing and all this stuff. And like the thing that the most of you enjoy is actually sword fighting. And I'm like, Oh, I love this. I yeah. love this. The world needs more women sword fighters. Bring Absolutely. It. Um, I've been, uh, there's a video on YouTube uh, earlier this year. It doesn't feel like it was earlier this year because this year is a weird, weird year. But yes. I was fighting against this girl called Vina Zand. And she's five foot something. She's like a foot shorter than me. Um, but she's so good. Um, you know, she was, uh, you know, just fast, technical, um, very aggressive, you know, and I think that, yeah, we can absolutely, and obviously I fight with Melissa all the time, uh, yeah. you know, that which is great. And then Esther. Which is awesome. Know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is it is great um we the first month of uh furlough and lockdown we were at the back and we'd be sat in um you know these deck deck chairs and it's sunny outside and we were just having uh we were having the time of our lives so melissa and i sat there um 
we'd, we'd play like a game of Othello and then read our books a little bit. And when the sun got a, like a little bit lower, so there was some shade at the back, we'd just get the swords out and start fighting. And I was like, I hope this never ends. You know? Right. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, t- that's completely awesome. No, that's a, that's the truth, man. There, there, there are some phenomenal women sword fighters out there. And honestly, I, I hope more women. So there, there should be as many women in HEMA as there are men from what I've seen, because I've fought some lady sword fighters that are, they'll, they'll fuck you up, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been wrecked a couple of times you know, um, by female fences. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. We like more of that, you know, um, it'll, it'll the, make you look right at your, at your worst prejudices. You're like, I don't want to try that hard. What if I hurt her? What if I, this, and they're like, boom, boom, yeah. boom. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm going to try now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I've had it a couple of times where I've been in, a, I was in a tournament, um, late last year. And I was not having a good time in the long swords uh, tournament. I, it, there was um, side swords and, uh, well, it was sword and buckler. I had my side swords. Had a great time in that. There was saber. Uh, awesome time in that. Long sword. I, every fight, I just didn't enjoy it. It was just, it felt like whack-a-mole um, because everybody was oh. just... Yeah, it was just um, because the head was worth the most targets. It was just, I'm going to go for the, like, you know, it was like uh, an overhaul or a fendente. I'm just going to go bang, 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 um, overhead, right, right. Like, over and over and over again, just trying to get my head. And I was like, uh, you know. And then I fought, um, I fought against this girl called Amber. Um, we've met a couple of times. I think this was the first time we fought, and she was really technical. Um, and I had an awesome fight with her. She almost beat me. I think I won by like a, a, only a couple of points. Um, I, I said to her, there's one place I just don't want you to hit me. I just literally had a tattoo yesterday. Please don't hit me there. Um, she didn't mean to, but she went for a thrust to my chest and I just displaced it a little bit. Not enough, yeah. but the point just went wham right into the Aww. tattoo. And I'm like, oh God. So yeah, <laughs> my recent skin cringes. Yeah, and I'm like, is that gonna is that gonna stain? Uh, you know, is it gonna is it gonna cause it to blur or blob or anything? Because I I've, I've got two tattoos, but I got them when I was really young, uh, and I had that one when I was thirty. So I've completely forgotten what you know what happens to tattoos when you get them hit really hard. I don't know. They hurt. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, as long as it's not like an impact that makes it swell up where the skin is actually stretching, um, it'll yeah. just hurt and then it'll go down. Ice helps. Oh, yeah. yeah, it did. I was quite distracted. Um, <laughs> so with um, cracking swords and, you know, you make swords and everything, um, what's the worst injury you've ever had doing that because that's something i've been wondering about from sword making yeah okay so that was actually recently um i have a um well it's it's basically a flat backing pad and everybody who works in a machinist shop will know exactly what i mean and they're mostly for air compressor tools um so that you can it's a spinning disc 
and it basically goes on a compressor, uh, a, a air compressor gun, so that you can polish and grind and smooth and sand welds and and bevels and you know you get a hundred different grits to choose from. But um, depending on how much power you're using to really take the material away, um, it can it can grab quite hard. I mean, you gotta, you've really got to hold it quite stably. Um, mm -hmm. And I was grinding in between two pieces of metal and uh, it did grab and it came out of one of my hands, right? And then of course it, the thing grabbed and it's slung around and it hit me in the rib underneath oh. my arm. And I felt my ribs compress from how hard it hit me. And it turned black and blue for about eight days and it was really sore and of course i'm nervous as hell uh, uh working for the next you know eight or ten days i'm just holding this thing like i'm holding on to life itself and i'm like <laughs> and um so i've never really had a really bad injury from work knock on wood but um that would be the worst it really did hurt i thought maybe i had cracked the rib but it, mm -hmm. i've had that happen before and uh doing an ma and, and it, it did not end up being that it was just really painful and really big and it was a basically a flying drill um it was still in one of my hands so i mean like it slipped from one hand and went like this in like a semicircle because it got it's a spin it's spinning yeah. and so it slung off the piece i was working on and and hit me in the rib and it was crazy experience it happened in a millisecond you know just so fast just boom and I'm like, what the hell? And then the pain, then the pain. And I'm like, oh, well, that's what happened. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, that, that was about a month ago. And, and uh, happily, I'm all healed up from that. But that's, I'm generally pretty safe with what I do. I wear yeah. all my protective equipment and um, mask, ventilator, and, and respirator. And, and um, yeah, that, that was just a, a, I pushed too hard while it was turned up too high and one hand slipped a little tiny bit and it was enough to never make me do that again. <laughs> yeah, I, I I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting it to be like, oh, I got burned doing this because I've got everybody a thinks it's a burn. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm like covered from from upper bicep to hands with flame retardant stuff when I work with torches and forges and when I'm welding, I got an apron and big gloves that come up to my elbows. I'm not getting burned. No, I, I've got a friend who <laughs> does some like blacksmith stuff. And I was like, how many times have you been burned? And he's like, never. And I'm like, what? This is bullshit. I burn myself almost every day on the oven. You know, <laughs> you got a forge, you've never burned yourself. He's like, no, because I've got common sense, you know. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm super, super careful. I'm afraid to get burned by a, you know, a piece of metal at 1400 degrees and melt you like butter. I don't think it's yeah. not getting anywhere near me. Yeah, because I've seen some people have accidents on things like uh, forged in steel and forged in fire and stuff like that. Um, is that something you've ever considered going on, by the way? No, not necessarily. I mean, as is the case with a lot of sword and knife makers, like, I think mostly what they focus on the on those shows is like, the method by which they're built, and how pretty they look at the end versus mm -hmm. like, my style is to try to match a historical spec with functionality, like it, it's got to be functional. And, and, and then I try to make it pretty once I've already managed the the spec so to speak 
So like, uh, I find that if I just want to make a sword pretty, every single bit look absolutely pretty, they generally come out overweight and don't handle correctly. You yeah. follow me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I, I see those forts and fire swords, a lot of them, and they look <coughs> wonderful, just wonderful. But we've seen some of the bad flex videos from cutting where like this, so the cut was not great, but the sword has still managed to wrap around the target. I mean, if that's not a flaw in the temper, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Or, yeah. They've, or they've ground it too flat so that the tip fishes like this, mm. which then every cut becomes a failed cut because as the tip, the, the stiff part of the blade hits the target, the tip comes around like this and then the whole sword ends yeah. up flatting. Yeah. I, I, I like watching it, um, but not as much as I like watching. There was kind of a spin-off show called uh forged in fire knife or death and it's one of the most cringing things i've ever seen <laughs> i have seen <laughs> clips from it and and again same with forged in fire i mean the art quality of these guys their craftsmanship is top notch in some cases that yeah. guy who came in from um what's that youtube series man at arms forged in fire not the show forged in fire um, yeah yeah where they make um like fantasy weapons and uh, right those guys okay whatever their pricing or or reputation for speed is i've heard they're quite slow but their build quality i've seen one of their swords up close and personal and i Honestly, I think you could hack a dump truck in half with it. I mean, like, yeah. it, and it's light and it's fast. And I mean, like, it, it just feels like a great long. It's from a movie. I don't remember which one, but mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a long sword. And it, I mean, the way that they know how to do so many different types of folded and pattern welded steel and, and get the maximum uh, efficiency out of the metal. Yeah. That, those guys blow me away. But all of those shows we just mentioned, the quality of the artisanship is it's it's top notch. Uh, I would never say anything against that. It's just how do they perform when it comes time to cut and spar? That's yeah. all I care about. <laughs> like yeah, if you hand me a cleaver, the Ur the Urukai sword from Lord of the Rings, right? Like if I'm going into armored warfare, give me that. It's a giant cleaver with a spike on the back. I'll I'll, I'll that's practical. I'll take that. Oh yeah, I've started playing recently with um, a poleaxe, and it's just I'm like moving it around. I'm like, this is so fucking dangerous. You know what I mean? It's like it's a spike oh, yeah. with spikes coming out of it, and uh, yeah, um, I think that would be my you know like my post-apocalyptic weapon of choice. Oh yeah, yeah. like obviously maintain distance, maintain social. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like that guy coughing on me on my shoulder in the shot. He's not gonna do that if I'm like walking around with a pole hat. <laughs> um, the the only thing with it is I I'm like, how do I store this thing? You know? Um, right. Then you, then you realize that like the the non warfare version, why it became popular, like the six foot pole axe, because you yeah. just walk around with it like a stick, and when somebody gets too close, you hit him with it. Yeah. Yeah um no and i mean i've seen your swords on instagram and you don't put enough stuff up on instagram man you should put like you should be you know the, well I, I happily that is going to change um i have uh someone running my instagram for me which is esther from ahf and she oh, is awesome. taking 
very excellent, uh, good care. I send her photos all the time and she edits them and make sure they end up posted. And, and, um, so that, that'll be, that is changing and will be changing more in the future as swords come out. They'll be all over the Instagram. I'm old. I, I'm, I, I just, I'm learning about Instagram. So, I mean, like, yeah. I, I was the same way a few years ago. I'm like, Instabook? What are we, you know? What yeah, are we, right. What are we? I'm like, <laughs> and then everybody looks at me and they go, it's the most popular form of social media around. And I'm like, meanwhile, I'm like on MySpace, you know? Like, <laughs> not literally, but you know what I mean. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm I get like, it. I'm three generations behind on all, the, I, on all the social media. I know what I mean. I'm so annoyed because like, I'm like, okay, we've got a fairly respectable following on Instagram now and then fucking tiktok comes out I'm like would you just slow down for a minute you know right yeah so um no but your swords are absolutely gorgeous um uh, seen oh, some of the pictures you. of that so people should definitely check that out um and um we've talked a bit about the cutlass um that you made and i've had a go with that and you were the f you were the first person to make me kind of sort of see the light with the spadroon um because people there's like two camps which is like yay spadroon and uh not so much spadroon um and we were at fight camp in uh 20, 2019 i think and you were talking yeah, yeah. about you know well it's it's um a spadroon for anybody who doesn't know what a spadroon is is well google it um but right. uh yeah um but you were like no it's good in this situation it's also good in this situation and so it's very versatile versus something which you know yeah it might be a bit longer and it might be good at cutting but you can't use it in a tighter uh kind of environment whereas you can with this padroon it's lighter so it's not so cumbersome and stuff like that so i yeah i i kind of saw the light with this padroon um oh like, yeah all right I, I see it i haven't fought with one yet i need to um i need nick and mike to sort of you know change that well, Nick's got, um, Nick's actually got the very first Padroon I ever sold, um, which I, I feel bad about now because I've come such a long way in my buildings and, and my stat management and other stuff. He's, <laughs> he's actually going to have um, a new one or two um, pretty, pretty shortly here as, as well as some uh, heavy cavalry guards. So you get a chance to see those up close too. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, for me, this... The reason I like this Spadroon is because it's so versatile and it's light. And if you have a good solid core of skills, you, you know, and treat the sword like what it is, like if you've got a heavy saber, it's, it's just so tempting to start cleaving at people when your skill set is not working for you. You're like, mm. oh, a beautiful lunge, a beautiful cut. Well, guess what? He's a good fencer too. And he's parrying you and he's cutting back. And you're like, I'm out of trying. Now I just hit hard, grr. And you just don't have that option with the spadroon. It is not that kind of weapon. But if you face someone like that with a spadroon, you absolutely have the advantage of speed and a blade that is just stiff enough to parry all those ugly cuts. Mm. So, I mean, it, it's, I think it has a lot of multiple applications to use against other weapons of its day, right? I mean, like, you imagine how frustrating it would be to have like a, two and a half pound basket hilted broadsword, right? Which is fairly light in the realm of broadswords. The other guy's got a small sword and he's just lightning fast. 
You know, it's like the Rob Roy fight. Yeah. And, and he's Tim Roth. And he doesn't even have to try. He gets to lunge at your legs, the most worthless targets for his small sword. And he's just he's just playing with you. And you're like, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> and you, you can't raise your arm too high or you get poked in the wrist or the elbow. You can't go too low or you get hit inside the elbow. And he's just poking you apart. I imagine unless you've got a, a fast broadsword and a, a really good skill set, the the good small sorter is going to, he's going to dance all over you. Right. So I feel like those two weapons, neither one of them is really made to manage the other one. You follow yeah. me? Yeah. yeah. And so the reason I like the spadroon is it's right out of the same period as both of those other swords and yet made to manage both of them yeah. as, as well as it's, it's quite adept in a bayonet fight as well because it's so quick. If you manage yeah. to get a hand on the on the bayonet, which is what the manual teaches, you will be snapping in wrist cuts and thrusts to the chest much faster with that light spadroon than you will be trying to raise your saber up to to throw a wrist cut at the head or something. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I I think we've talked about this. I don't know enough about that period. I generally sort of stick to medieval period because that's what I was oh, yeah, yeah. In growing up and stuff like that. But um, I've had a lot of fun fighting with cutlasses and um, cutlass fighting is great. Oh, cutlass, yeah, the yeah. Um, it's so it up great. close and it's, yeah. it's so up close and in and out. It's real gritty. I really like it. Yeah. No, the. Um, the one that you made that I had to go with, like I said in the Q and A, um, I I really liked it because it felt like uh, one of these sort of swords that uh, I use for reenactment because it's a shorter blade. Um, it's it's shorter than this. This is Melissa's, uh, my wife's sword, um, but Based you've got the hand right guard as well. Yeah, there it is. That's it. That's cool. Um, yeah, it's the 18, 1804 British Royal Navy Cutlass. Yeah, oh, I had so much fun with it. Yeah, so the, you can see why I've done the guard so beefy on my trainer. This is the original one. It's a big, giant cast iron guard. I mean, yeah. it's got and it, it's got a ton of coverage for your hand. I mean, it's it's just super difficult to take any any cuts to the front or the side of the hand. And then you get this blade that is literally this thick all the way, or this wide rather, all the way out to the tip, all the way from the fort. It's just a cleaver. It's a cleaver yeah, well, hand guard. That's, yeah, that's why it was like, for me, it was like the Viking sword, but with hand protection. And I felt like the chosen one. I was like, I, you know, I can't be stopped. You can't snipe my hand. And then, uh, like I said, I fought Nick and he just tore me apart. Like he, like he likes I like do. that though. This, that's I'm gonna steal that. The cutlass is like a Viking sword with hand protection. <laughs> yeah. How did you meet Nick and Eston, Mike? By the way, I was an AHF YouTube channel fanboy. Oh right. I learned. I've actually learned a lot of what I know about fighting watching Nick's videos for years, and that's so I cool. sent him a I sent him a message, and I'm like. Yeah, so I'd love to come over for some lessons at some point, and, you know, fight and hang out or whatever. And um, he's told me afterwards that he was like, originally, he was like, okay, so that's like the 37th message I've got like that recently. And people are like, yeah, I'm going to show up and I'm going to train. It's going to be awesome. 
Yeah. And, and they never even message back. And meanwhile, I'm a massive planner. So I've messaged them like five months before I want to come over. And then as the time gets closer, um, then he was realized I was coming. He just, um, we, we kind of made like fast friends on Facebook ahead of time. And then, um, him and Esther just invited me to stay with them. And so my very first time meeting them, I'm like, showed up with this massive suitcase and a sword bag for a 10 day visit. And I'm just like, let's, and we just drank and fight and chit chatted and had a, a great time. Actually, the, the very first time I went to one of the AHF classes, you know, um, we just kind of walked in and set everything down and, and put on our jackets and masks after we did a little warm up game. And, and he's like, well, you just want to have at it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure up until that moment, he, he had to be 50, 50 that I could even fight or anything. Yeah. So oh, that's we, amazing. We, that match is actually on the AHF channel, Nick and I with the black fencer sabers. Um, he did manage to run me out of breath like two minutes in and I'm like, I need to, I need to just catch my breath if we're going to keep this up. <laughs> and so it's, there's a little split in the film where I've dipped out for a <gasps> and yeah. stepped back in. And um, I, I fought Mike and Esther and a bunch of people from the AHF on the same, um, same trip, a bunch of film. And, and um, we all just had a really good time. They, they took me around to a bunch of the Welsh castles and, <laughs> and uh, I mean, God, it was just an awesome trip. And, and um, now we just talk all the time. I've been to see him a few times and, and, you know, more, more plans in the future. We're just, we just all get along really great. That's ace. I love that. Um, no, I really, really like that. And it's, it's nice that he was just like, yeah, you can stay with us. They, like Mike and Nick um, have done quite a bit for me with the Academy as well. Um, as in they've just sort of turned to their students and been like, there's also this in Cardiff, go, go, go there too and support it and, you know, help this guy awesome. out. And, yeah and giving me advice and things they're they're really great and i like that they did that because not everybody would um and because i i was you know i've been watching matt easton videos for years and earlier this year he mentions me in one of his he mentions me in two of his videos and i was like looking over my shoulder there was nobody there but i'm looking over <laughs> right. my shoulder going, oh, that's me you know <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm loath to admit a, a similar experience. Um, he did mention me in one of his videos from earlier. Oh, that's year. awesome. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, is that is that me, me? Because he's like internet famous. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, I love how nice the people in, not everybody, obviously, but um, a lot of the people in the HEMA community are. Um, and there's, yeah, I agree. You know, for, for Nick and Mike, I actually sort of, um, I found out that they were sort of internet famous, like, um, after I joined the AHF. Uh, oh. Yeah, I didn't even realize. I was like, okay, so I want to, I was moving back to Britain. I was setting up the academy. I wanted to keep my edge. Uh, so I didn't just want to be sparring against my own students all the time because I felt that that wouldn't, uh, you know. That, right wouldn't help me out. I know what you mean. Yeah. So I was like, okay, um, these guys, these guys, and I looked at their website and um, they're pretty big and they've been around a while. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, I'll get in touch with these guys. And um, 
I got in touch with uh, Mike initially, and I'm like, "Hey, man, um, can I join? I want to, you know, I was upfront about it. I was like, I want to open my own school in Cardiff. Um, how would you feel if I came along and trained uh, with you guys?" And about a week later, he's like, "Yeah, sure, cool, you know, come along." And um, I joined in, and it was the the first session was a sparring session. Um, so I just kind of fought whoever I could. I can't remember who I fought. But yeah, they were they were really welcoming. I think maybe um, because they I was talking to Mike about it, they'd had like a a recent um, bad experience with somebody else who used to be an instructor or used to be in another school who came to their school and was sort of everything they said they'd contradict it. Um, right. So there, I think for maybe the first three or four weeks, uh, I'd come along and. Nick or Mike would say something, they'd demonstrate something, and then they'd look at me through narrowed eyes. <laughs> as if they're they're like, just waiting. They're yeah, just waiting. as if they're like, dare like, me. Go ahead and say something. Yeah, say something and I will kick your ass. And I was like, right. I was just like, no, I agree with everything you just said. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then we, we had fights and hung out a bit. And yeah, they've just been solid, you know, and Esther as well, they've just been solid people. Um, ever since which is great and it's it is the same with matt easton in that there's no ego you know um there's there's no like oh well you know people people have subscribed to me so i don't need to talk right to right about it. i think that's a that's one of the only downfalls of of people in the community that they they do get popularity for a skill set or a knowledge base that they do have but then the, they get a little bit um what's the word for that? They get possessive with the information and the skills and they're like, you're not, I'm not talking to you about that. And, and you wouldn't understand. And I'm like, you realize you're talking to the same people that you were talking to when you got popular. These, yeah. these are the people that made you popular. You should, yeah. you should probably keep, keep talking to them. And there's, there are some extremely talented people in the HEMA community that are like totally not very nice. Yeah. No, 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 absolutely. Um, and, and these that we just mentioned, obviously, Nick, Mike, Esther, Matt Easton, there's, there's plenty of just phenomenal quality people who are in the community and, and uh, growing, still growing popularity, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> I, um, I was having a chat with two people at the last fight camp that we were at. And um, one uh, one was Matt Easton, and I got him talking about I can't remember like his antiques collection, and he was just so passionate about it. You know what we were just talking about when you know when people ask us about swords, and we're like, oh no, I'm not gonna have to explain a whole like a whole load of things to you. There was none of that. He was still you know however long he's been doing it, he's like, oh yeah, there's this and there's that, and I was like, yeah, this is cool, right? This is why people respond well to you, and then. Right afterwards and i mean obviously everybody's got something going on in their life but i was uh, i was watching an interaction between somebody who's taking um this instructor's workshop and he went up to him afterwards and he was like i, I don't quite understand how this aspect of what you were talking about is supposed to work and there was this kind of like rolling of the eyes and like oh god I've got to, oh i hate, you know? i hate that yeah and um i was like okay I, i'm I sort of made a mental note. I'm like, I'm never going to do that. 
So I taught a workshop the next day and somebody came up to me and went, I don't understand how to do X, Y, and Z. So I said, okay, put your kit on. We're going to have a fight. Um, yeah, so yeah. I went off, we had a fight and I, I showed him how, like how to do it. And it was a, um, um, it was the Ligadura Metana, which is like where you wrap up their arms. Uh, so you fight right, right. with a long sword, you close them down. That's you where you catch, them, you catch them like this. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, they've extended their arms to, to strike. You've come quite close, so you wrap your offhand around their arms, and then you just punch them in the face or pommel them in the face or whatever. Right. right. Uh, so I showed him, like I did it against him uh, in free play. And then I showed him again how to do it because he wasn't quite getting it. And then, he, you know, he, he finally got it and he was really grateful. Um, and I thought, yeah, that's, I'm going to do that every time. And I don't care what I've got going on after. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I made that decision because people respond well to it. And ultimately, that's what we want. We want people to walk away from what we, um, you know, from what we teach them and to sort of pass on that passion. And one guy came up to me, actually, um, it was on the last day. He was in the middle of a work, uh, he, he was uh, taking part in a workshop. And then he said, I'll be back in a second. He ran over to me and he went, I did that thing that you taught me in the tournament. And I was oh, like, that's, yeah, that's badass. That yeah, awesome. yeah. Um, so that for me was like probably one of my best moments in HEMA, you know? Um, so yeah, that was, that was cool. Oh, um, that'd be top notch. I, yeah. that, that'd be a top notch experience. You're like, yeah, I just taught this guy this new move and he ran over and used it in the tournament to score a point. Yeah. But, yeah. That's a win. That's a life win. Yeah. I was so happy. Like I was grinning like an idiot for the rest of the day. Cause obviously I love it when my students do that and they've done that once or twice, you know, I see them do a cool thing. I've got a student called Alan and he basically took possession of his opponent's sword um, during a tournament and I was judging and I didn't even see it until he kind of went, well, why is it a double when I've got their sword? And I was like, what? It was, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, awesome. what about, what about you? What's your, what's your biggest HEMA moment? I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I have gone to several events by myself, like just entirely by myself. So that's always fun. You know, just totally wing it, meet, meet some new people. I fight everybody. I just walk around. I'm like, fight? You, you, yeah. just, you. I'll be like, I don't even do that. I don't even do that weapon, but I'll fight you with it. Yeah. You know, like, and I, I do that. I, honestly, um, having watched AHF on uh, YouTube for so many years and, and actually studied a lot of the stuff that Nick would post lessons and stuff and uh, like literally just gone out and applied it to my fencing the next day. Um, probably my first couple of fights with him were like, like def definitely in the, you know, like just burned in the memory banks as, as big moments. Cause I did, I did in fact man and manage to hit him a few times and I was like, Oh my God, I should just stop right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He is, he's such a phenomenal fencer and, and, oh, um, yeah. and just, just to even do the sword dance with him for a little bit was, was really <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, the AHF produce really, really good fences, I think. Um, cause I don't know if you've got the chance to meet him. There's a guy, uh, Sam Aykroyd. He's, Oh, I, I do enjoy fencing with Sam and watching him fence. He's, he's a very skilled guy. 
he's unfair because he's taller than me he's left-handed and the other thing is he's so nice about it like if he was a dick then it would it would almost right. be better right but i love him he's just a great guy so i was yeah um he kills well, you so sweetly yeah so, <laughs> And uh, yeah, he does that thing where you're like, oh man, yeah, you kicked my ass. And he's like, no, no, you had, you had a few moments there. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, thanks, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> so yeah, um, I think, right. So the worst moment I've ever had in HEMA isn't even like, because I talk to people about their best and worst moments in HEMA. And like a lot of the time they're like, well, I got this injury or, you know, I got a hit and the judges didn't see it or whatever. Um, and you know, I think we've all had that, that moment, but my worst ever moment in, uh, HEMA was, um, I packed my bag, but I forgot my cup. Oh no. No, it's oh, no, not, no. it's not even like, it, it's not an injury or anything. Right. I forgot my cup. So my mate was like, well, you can borrow mine. Am I willing to give up a day of HEMA or am I willing to use someone else's cup? I know it was, yeah, it was a horrible decision. It's like, you know, and I was like, oh, okay. Cause he wasn't competing and he's like, it's don't worry, It's clean. Like, but I, yeah, I was like, all right, fine, fine. You know, I will. But then, I was fighting at this tournament. I'm like, ah, oh, no. Like, I was so distracted by the fact that I was wearing another man's cup <laughs> that my fighting was just <laughs> shit. So, you're like, you're like, gross, 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 yeah. gross. I'm like, I better have worn it on the outside, <laughs> you know? Because, uh, that's oh. terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, Oh, it was like no. the judges would be like, okay, go to your corners. And I'm just stood there in my corner and they're, they're talking, you know, they're telling us what their decision is. And I'm not paying attention. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm wearing another dude's cup. Oh, I don't know how I feel about this. So yeah, with that in mind, what's your worst moment in HEMA? Um, yeah, honestly, it, it's a uh, participation in one particular tournament where like the, there was just like a, a, a wide uh, experience gap between a lot of the participants. Yeah. And uh, there was basically no judging taking place. And so like it, um, well, not only did it like screw up the, the scoring and everything. And some, some people I'm, I'm rarely the best fencer in an event. Okay. I know that, but I do try hard to score and follow the rules and all that stuff. And, and when somebody's fairly new, sometimes they need to be told that you can't do that because that's a rule. Like you can't charge at somebody with your head turned sideways because they're not allowed to hit you in the back of the head. Yeah. You know, like stuff like that. And so I saw some extremely unsafe things where somebody could have got like legitimately hurt really bad. Yeah. And then I ended up having a match with someone who was literally willing to charge right in with their head turned like this. And, and like, and on the very first um, play, 
I've literally thrown a number six cut full swing with some elbow and clocked him in the side of the head out of instinct because he ran right in with his point out. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. You follow me? And yeah. I've, then, of course, I've realized, and I'm looking at the judge because I'm waiting to be penalized, and I'm, I'm like, ready to throw my arms up and be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry because you just charged at me with the side of your head. No. Yeah. No, nothing from the judge, nothing from him. Everybody's looking, and I'm like, I guess, fence on. And it, it ended up being about a 25-point match, and it's first to three points wins because – Every time they were, there was no rule set. Like I'd tag him and he'd get like two seconds for an after blow. And half the time I'd be like already like kind of backing up and he'd be like, ah. and the judge would go, well, it's, it's a double, right? Cause he didn't really know what the hell he was. He really didn't know what was going on. <laughs> he was just, just not a fencer judging a fencing that, you know, like it's just that simple. Like you don't yeah. get the basketball coach to judge the football match, you know, like just, just yeah. that simple. And you could tell, that when they when it came down to the tournament and the judging, they were just like, "Will you go stand there and judge that match?" And it like it ruined the experience for me to the point where I was like, "Not only am I never coming back to this event, like, like you've literally just given me my only negative HEMA experience because I and the student I brought with me and other people who were friends of mine that were there basically all got caught trying in a situation where like it didn't matter." at all yeah. if you tried or not like we, yeah. we should have just had nerf guns and take turns shooting each other for five <laughs> minutes like that would have been way oh, more yeah, fun yeah. like how many how many times can you stick the guy with the velcro nerf ball you know like yeah that would have been way more fun um and and just like when when i mentioned in my um in my thing for this month in hema is that the one of the things that really drags down an event in general and one of the only things that can ruin an event a tournament bad judges yeah i mean like this two guys who want to have a fight where there's rule two people not guys two people want to have a fight where there's rules so to speak and and it's a sword fight there there needs to be a person who goes halt there needs to be a person who goes point blue or point red they they've got a job to do and so yeah. my only negative hema experience is where people were out trying to have a match and there was no judging to speak of yeah the I was talking to Keith Farrell, who we were talking about, you know, events. And if you've got good judges, it can be a phenomenal event. If you've got bad judges, you know, everything else could be exactly the same. But if you've got I bad judges, yeah. Um, and I think one of the, uh, I went to an event last year called Bucklethon, and um, it was a really good idea. It was uh, set up by the School of the Sword. And the idea is that you get two pools of six instructors and they fight and they demonstrate what it should look like, you know? Right. Um, so obviously martial skill, but then on top of that sportsman, you know, sportsmanship um, and fair play and thing, you know, and things like that. So, they've they demonstrate that and then the students fight and there are more you know there are more pools of students but everybody knows that there are different levels then right so the instructors are not going to be fighting against 
somebody who's going to charge in with the back of their head turned and who really shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be there. You should be like, go, go learn something first, right? anything, right. you know? Um, because I mean, for someone like yourself, who you, you say you come from an MMA background, showing the back of your head to somebody is like the worst thing you can do. Cause if you get punched in the back of the head, it like that you could, it's lights out. Yeah. I mean, you could die. The first thing they teach you is bury your chin into your neck so that you can't expose the side of your head. Yes, that's like, that's just day one material. Yeah. Um, So I, yeah, um, stuff like that. I hear about these really good tournaments, but I'll only ever usually go to one or two, maybe three a year. Um, and that's if I feel like, well, I haven't fought in a while, uh, against people, you know, outside of my school or the AHF, I want to try out something new. Um, I went to Leeds earlier this year, uh, just did about two hours of sparring, just straight up sparring with those guys and they were great fun, you know, and it was completely different, which is, you know, what I'm after when I go for a tournament is you do things differently to me let's fight and see how it goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I, I haven't had an experience that bad with the judges. Um, I've had judges who were like clearly nervous and didn't want to speak up or just weren't paying attention. Um, but nothing, you know, nothing, uh, that bad. Um, how did you get into HEMA from MMA or, did you do MMA after HEMA or had that work? No, um, I did, um, geez, I've done a lot of Asian martial arts since I was a very young kid. Um, but mostly I was doing Kung Fu and um, some Muay Thai. And I, I had some exposure to British military saber when I was a teenager um, my dad lived in Brussels and um, there's a British school in Brussels. And so when you're a kid and you live in a country where no one speaks English, you get dropped off at the British school. <laughs> um, and so I, I did have a chance to learn with some of the guys there when I was young. Um, that would have been about age 14 or so. And then um, that have been two or three summers in a row and then nothing for a very long time. And then I did other martial arts. And then basically I had a friend of mine who was interested in learning um, sword stuff. And I'm like reaching into past memory to remember the correct way of doing things. And so I kind of got back up to speed teaching him until we could actually fight back and forth in the backyard. And we had the worst gear imaginable, not, not good enough and, and leather gloves and overweight swords and bad helmets and all that. And, um, did that for quite a while and, and, uh, stumbled on the AHF videos and started doing something a little more proper years ago. I don't know. And, uh, but it was slow going here because the, there's, there's um there is one other HEMA club in town which I was at for about a year um and I did get a chance to meet some good people and have some really great matches there and and um definitely definitely picked up some skills fighting but 
um, there's just not a lot of HEMA to speak of in Florida. And so basically HEMA for me started because I found a good source to watch. So, you know, go AHF. Yeah. I do love it when you see, you know, when you were talking about you and your friends getting, getting started with like the worst kit imaginable. I love it when I see new clubs starting up and they're like, oh, we, you know, and they're there with like a pie tin on their face with two <laughs> eye holes cut out. And like, you know. um, yeah, uh, I, I, I see that. And then, you know, five years down the line and they're looking pretty sharp and you're like, yeah, that's cool. That's like a scene out of Dodgeball or Cobra Kai or something where they start to get right. their, their identity and things like that. Um, no, that's cool, man. So when did you start making swords? Oh, um, so that's kind of been a hobby for a good many years, maybe 15 years in times when I've had the time. Um, I've done quite a few hand forged sharps, uh, medieval stuff, probably right up your alley, arming swords, long swords, stuff like that. I've done a ton of hand forged knives, all different kinds. And uh, it just, it just came to me. Um, you know, when I started cracking swords, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to teach and I'm going to, um, and I'm going to make swords. And I just started off and it was just going to be just spadroons and cutlasses, which were, I thought like two things that the market was just missing entirely. You know, yeah. like, where do you go for a spadroon? Nowhere. That's the answer. Nowhere. Um, and where do you go for a cutlass? And the other answer is, well, also nowhere. And so I, I, um, those were my first two things. I made a pair of cutlasses for Nick and uh, a couple of spadroons and small swords and stuff like that. And um, I just took the same skill set that I was using to make sharps, except for I, I kind of failed at making HEMA blades myself. I mean, like I can make a sharp blade, but every time I try to make a HEMA blade with a rolled tip or a, a spatulated tip, and it's, they're so heavy if they're going to be strong. So I have a lot of respect for people like Castile and Aureus Swords and Kavitan who have really good heat treating processes where the, the swords can be light and just take repeated abuse. Um, I, didn't, I didn't quite nail that myself. Not, I wasn't breaking swords. They're just a little bit heavier than I wanted them to be. And with so many options on the market to pick from, I, I kind of just decided it was best to use the Castile blades because they were better than the ones I was making. And so I, I use their blades and then I fabricate all the guard components basically based off swords on my wall. So it, it, it's, it was a desire to make training swords that were a little more realistic to Georgian era pattern swords, basically, or, or slightly pre-pattern swords. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I've got a couple of swords which are reenactment blades and you just could not use them in a HEMA context. They're as close as possible to being, you know, like, um, is the, the, the periods um, of reenactment that I do is early medieval. So, you know, Viking, right, right. Latin, Norman period. And there's zero flex to these swords. Right, um, right. So you just could like, you couldn't use them for anything HEMA related so you, like you couldn't thrust with it even cutting with it would be a little bit dicey because there's a lot of weight to them um, 
so when I came from reenactment into HEMA and I was like looking at how, how flexible they were and, you know, and how durable as well, uh, some of the uh, right. of her blades, I was like, that's, that's cool. Because in my head, it was heavy and clunky equals durable. You know? Right. right. So, I think yeah. there's a lot of that out there, though. I think people, well, especially from the earlier kinds of HEMA swords that were available from Hanway and stuff like that, they, there's this general concept that um, heavy and clunky can equal durable. Yeah. You know, and, and the truth is there are blades out there um, that, that can meet the historical spec. They, they're light, they're fast for that particular type of sword. And I think in the past probably four or five years, we've seen probably more realistic HEMA blades come out into the market, or at least get more mainstream than we maybe ever have. Yeah. Yeah. The, I like the Black Fencer longsword, where it looks like a longsword, but behaves like a feather. Those are, those are very well-made swords. I do quite yeah. enjoy them. Um, I do want one. However, I made a deal with my wife, which was, um, we made this deal ages ago. Um, about, about a year and a half ago, we made the deal that um, I don't get to buy myself a new sword until I get a driving license. However, oh. yeah, but here's the thing. I've been given so many swords since. Um, one, uh, I got a side sword from my students for the one year anniversary of the academy opening. Um, so right. they all pitched in and they bought me a, a Kavitan side sword. Um, oh, that's awesome. I know I, I did tear up a little bit. Um, we were in this restaurant and um, uh, one of my students, Ben, who I absolutely love, but we've got this kind of like we got this banter going on like he's he's like we're frenemies or whatever but um yeah he just kind of came out and he's like yeah we all got you this sword uh and i yeah i welled up a little bit i i, I tell everybody i didn't i say it was like a really dusty dusty restaurant i'm like there's so much <laughs> dust in my eyes um, <laughs> my contacts they're just going insane <laughs> i don't even know what's happening yeah um, so that was sweet. And my grandfather, awesome. yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's, it's great. And, uh, what you were talking about earlier about somebody running in with the back of their head exposed. One of the first fights I had in, in a tournament was sword and buckler. And I can't remember the guy I was fighting against. Uh, he was really nice, except when we were, when we were fighting, uh, he kept jumping crotch first onto the point of my sword. Right, and I know, right? And there are pictures of, um, on on Instagram um, where you can see he's up off the floor, like his feet have left the floor, and he's coming crotch first onto the point of my sword. And um, afterwards, he came up to me and he's like, "Yeah, you don't have to thrust so hard." And I'm like, "Yeah, I can't. You're jumping onto the point of my sword with your dick." Maybe he's seen one too many samurai animes and he's like got a leap. <laughs> leap and, then, <sighs> and then you're supposed to fall in half, but he got poked in the dick first and, and so yeah, that didn't exactly. um so yeah. I think if somebody jumps at you with the sword in the air, that's what you should do. Yeah, I mean thrust low, thrust low and back out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a buckler, so I'm like I'm holding the buckler high. Oh, that's perfect. Just pr protect your head and thrust low. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so, 
I, you know, that's the, that, that was cool. So I used that sort for that. And my grandfather's like given me, um, uh, a bunch of, uh, swords. He gave me, uh, he gave me a rifle, like an antique rifle. And it's quite, it's, it's really sweet because you have to read in between the lines for this guy. Cause he's very, very old fashioned, right? He's like 90 years old. Uh, he doesn't hug. He doesn't talk about his emotions or anything like that. Um, so a few years back, my dad passed away and around Christmas time, he gave me this rifle and, uh, and uh, I was like, thanks man. That's really generous. Um, and um, he said, uh, yeah, well, you know, your dad died and everything. I was like, you, you could have just given me a hug. And he went, nah, take the gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's priceless. Yeah. That, that is the epitome of of the last generation yeah two absolutely. generations ago yeah, yeah yeah no that no 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 hugs just have the gun <laughs> yeah. so yeah that was uh uh that was funny and yeah he's given me like a few things uh ever since since like my birthday and stuff so melissa's like you're never getting your license here and i'm like look i'll do it eventually it was covid i couldn't you know it was lockdown i couldn't learn to drive um, yeah, government offices are closed anyway, right? Exactly. They're not even letting people do their tests yet, I think. So I, I, I can coast until then. Um, the truth is, I just find the, the the theory test really boring. Like the, the theory stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, where it's like, should you drive through a red light? And I'm like, well, in theory, I can. So I guess that's a yes. You know? Right. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, um, that's, I, I've got to, I really should get on top of that. Um, I will eventually people will stop giving me swords and I'll be like, ah, shit, you know, but going back to the, the black fence, uh, long sword, I want to buy myself one, but I know I can't get it till I get a driving license. So I'll just have, have you, that. have you handled Aureus long swords before? Yeah. Um, because you guys are talking about it on Facebook, weren't you? I need to catch up on the thread. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to be overly prejudiced because I have Aureus swords available in the States now. But um, I've, <laughs> I've actually just been consistently blown away and handling them during unpacking and getting them ready. Um, plus, I've, I've, I've got one done up with a blue grip for myself, even though I'm not the uh, long sword aficionado. It's a wonderful sword. The I've owned antique long swords and I've handled quite a few and um, all training sword opinions aside, their fetters handle like real long swords, the weight, the, the amount of rotation you feel in the wrist and forearm when you try to cut through a target and come back. Um, and the, the flex diversion is, it's insane. I mean, like there is no wobble in the blade from, from flat to flat, but then I think it's about 12 kilograms of pressure and the, the tip will divert all the way over to about a 45 degree angle like this. And then if you keep pressing, it keeps diverting. It's, it's really awesome. Um, and, uh, I mean, just 
as far as quality and craftsmanship goes, the uh, the finish on them is phenomenal. Everything's polished bright. The the grit materials, the wrapping on the grit material is nice. It's not that standard twine and glue. It's like a synthetic cotton or silk with the glue. So it's got like some give when you squeeze, but not really. It's, they're just really well-made swords. I'm blown away. I'll have to look into it then. Because um, I know a mate of mine had one. Uh, and then he he went abroad, and I didn't get to handle it. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll I'll need to look into that. Um, well, I only mentioned because you're so much closer than I am, but um, they're uh, they're made in Poland actually. But um, yeah. they are uh, they really you know I know you're basically Mr. Longsword over there, and I got to tell you, in all the <laughs> fetters and longswords I've handled, they they are my favorite. They they just handle great. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. Um, yeah, I'll definitely look into that because a nod from you, obviously, you know, is is uh, going to go a long way. Um, I, I, my fedder, the one that I generally use, the it, it's quite funny because I get students who they'll get like a custom made fedder from this place or that place, and um, my fedder because I use it so much the grip is coming off, you know, the, the leather oh, yeah. is coming off. The, the cross guard is a bit wobbly. It, it, you know, it's, I'm constantly having to get the rust off it. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, um, yeah I've had it. Uh, I've had it for a while, but I, I think that gives it its own sort of charm. Um, oh yeah. That's like yeah. any, any, any of my sabers that are like, that are club loaners that go back and forth in my sword bag get used every single day. Well, anytime I pick one of those up, I'm like, yep, right at home, right yeah. at home. This, this sword has the feeling of a well-used sword. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing with me. I, I really like this, this one, despite the, like I said, despite the rattly cross guard and stuff like that. I've actually, uh, I've broken like two other people's long swords with it. Um, oh. not obviously not swinging hard or anything like that, but I yeah, yeah. Just kinetics. Yeah. Um, and, uh, one of them was a guy who had a, a custom long sword and I felt really, really bad. Yeah. I thought, I thought he dropped his sword initially. Um, so, you know, I went to, I put in a strike and, um, you know, he put his arms up. And I connected with his head and I heard a clattering on the floor. Oh, it thought, just oh. went straight through. Yeah, yeah. And it, it must, like, I think it broke at, like, the cross guard, around the cross guard. Uh, gotcha. And, uh, yeah, I thought he dropped his sword. And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't think I'd hit that hard that he would drop it. Um, and, uh, yeah, and then I looked over, like, I looked at him and he was still holding the grip in his hands. And I could see through his mask like his eyes are just huge and like, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I felt really, really bad about that. Yeah, that's tragic. It, it sucks though. <laughs> I mean, and that's the problem when it comes down to makers and custom swords and stuff is, is you might pay a thousand dollars or something for, for a custom long sword or fetter. And it, it'll probably look sweet as silk. It'll be beautiful. But the, the truth is, you craft a sword for for looking really pretty, or you craft it for durability. You know what I'm saying? It 
if you work towards the middle, it's kind of got to be all about the finish, you know, like if you're doing a lot of complex stuff and bars and rings on a longsword, they need to be beefcake. Otherwise they're just going to get knocked off and longsword sparring. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you've got a big, I mean, like we're not talking Montante here, but if you've got a big two handed sword, like the heat treatment is going to have to be really good because you're literally going to go banging other big two-handed swords and it's going to crack. It's going to yeah. crack. There's a flaw. It's going to crack. It's just unfortunate that um, there are swords on the market that are super expensive and, and you don't even know. It might not even be quality control. It might be a flaw in the steel or something like that. And, you know, especially when it comes to handmade, so where they're 100% handmade, you do run yeah. the risk of the blades breaking. Yeah. And that's the thing with the global market as well. You can't necessarily guarantee that what would be standard in one country is not, you know, it might not be the standard in another country. Um, so, 100% true. Yeah. Um, I've got a longsword that I can never use in um, HEMA because it is a reenactment sword, but I love it. It's, it weighs a ton but in a good way in that once you get it moving, right. you can stop kind of thing. Um, and, uh, it was made by Heron Armory and I've used it a lot, uh, against other fetters, against other long swords. And the, the cross guard is obviously a softer metal because it's, um, it's got two D rings and like twisted, uh, it's a twisted cross guard. Right. But the edge that I can't feel a single burr in it, you know? Um, oh, right. Yeah, um, just so wide, just really wide. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's quite a wide blade. Um, it's a narrow fuller, and it's it's just a chunk. Like it's just a chunk of steel. Uh, I used it against uh, Ben, who I mentioned earlier, one of my students. I thought, oh, we'll have a we'll have a quick go, right? Because I I don't want to use it too much because it like I said, it is quite heavy. And I said, okay, we'll have a fight. I'll be much slower than usual, so you know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Anyway, he put in a solid guard, what we would call like um, posta corona. Um, and oh, it's yeah. just like, bam. And yeah. it's like, you know, he, he's there. But this sword came in and it's like, no, I won't be denied. And the sword just comes, <laughs> sword just comes down. And uh, it connects with his solid, like his solid guard. And it just collapses his structure and just goes right into his head. And he's just like, dunk. And he was like, what the hell? So, yeah. <laughs> Sword mace. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so it's like, uh, I, I call it the father of swords because it reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever read, um, there's a guy, Joe Abercrombie, um, and he writes these really great kind of gritty fantasies, um, but they're, they're really sarcastic and incredibly funny. Um, and there's this one character who's, yeah, he's got a sword called the father of swords and it's just like, this, oh, nice. yeah, <laughs> and it's just this unbeatable sort of thing. And it just cuts, cuts through swords and like chips them and goes, you know, so, yeah. oh, so it's like, a, it's like every katana then, right? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Don't worry. Like tanks. <laughs> uh, yeah. You don't need RPGs. You just need a katana. It's the best anti-tank weapon. Everybody knows that. Yeah, yeah, you know. I don't even know why we have arms races. Just, just you know, we just need, to, yeah. We just um, need more katanas and katana launchers, and that's it. 
Yeah, that would that would be amazing um, because I've, as you've probably had it as well, people talking about katanas, like, oh, you, yeah, you don't understand the, the mysticism and all of this behind it. Um, have you ever been asked to make one? Actually, I've made a couple of katanas. One of the very first swords I hand forged was a nice little wakasaji. I've still got it out in the garage. Oh, that's cool. It's, it's like 20 years old or something. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you're just cutting through things all the time. You're like, oh, I need to, I've got this, uh, you know, uh, I've got this massive block of steel. I'll just cut through that. I'll use that for later. No, you want to know one of the, I, I've definitely done this before though. So there's some places online where you can, they're like made in, they're hand forged, but they're, they're Chinese, they're not Japanese and they're, they're low cost. So for like 190 or maybe $240, you can get like a decent handmade shark katana, right? They've got, the, these swords don't flex because katanas don't flex, they bend. You follow me? Or they snap if they're over hard. Yeah, yeah. So these swords are actually reasonably abusable, but I've definitely taken one to a steel folding chair before and made a video of how fast you can break a magic katana. Um, yeah, I mean, you can poke holes in it because it's a sharp piece of steel and you can definitely dent and bang it, but then you hold it up and like the edge is gone. Chips are out of the hard part of the edge. And then as soon as you hit something the first time and it doesn't cut and the blade wobbles too much, it's bent. It takes a kink. Yeah. I've done it with about... I've done it with about five katanas in my life. Never an antique or anything, obviously. That would be dumb. But <coughs> they are not. They're not magic. They are wonderful cutting swords. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful cutting swords. But I mean, I don't I don't even think really you're I don't even really think you're going through plate armor with one of them, much less any of the movie things that we see. Yeah. They just, they just cut through guns. The guy goes to parry a katana with his assault rifle and then it gets cut in half and his head. I yeah. saw, we, we actually watched um, The Last Samurai. Uh, my students and I. Oh, moved. where he cut the happened. rifle in half? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah, I don't like it looks cool, but no. It looks cool, but no. Yeah. But, I don't even care if that was a pop metal gun. You are not cutting through it <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah, because I did a video on YouTube about like pole arms just get a really bad rap because everything cuts through it like it's a matchstick. Uh, right, right. You know, and uh, yeah, it's not like sapped ash that like you you literally have to hit it with a hatchet ten times to get through it. No, no. But you can walk up and like you can parry it and grab it with your hand and use your dagger to yeah. snap the pole arm. And I'm like, oh come on. My favorite is in. Um, uh, Troy, when somebody knees a spear in half, like he uses his knee to break a yeah, spear. Yeah, and I'm like, you just broke your leg, dude. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I'm like, what is that, like a dried olive branch spear <laughs> shaft or something? I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. The hero of Greece, like Achilles turns right. up a dried olive branch and he's like, oh man, <laughs> I should have brought a katana. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because in some historical movies you'll you'll have a random guy with a katana. Yeah, the um, the, I can't remember when it came out. It was with Colin something. It was Arthur, uh, King Arthur, 
and I swear there's a guy in it with a katana or maybe like a Chinese broadsword. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's um that is called King Arthur and that's Mads Mickelson's character. He's got like a Chinese broadsword and he's wearing like Mongolian armor and he's got a Chinese broadsword and he's supposed to be a Ukrainian. I think is what part of the world they're supposed to, or, or like slightly east of the Ukraine towards like the Black Sea. And like, I'm like, okay. So we got a pale bearded white guy with a Chinese broadsword and Mongolian armor, but it's apparently only, you know, 400 AD because this is the time frame we're in. And I'm like, okay, we're just going to run with this. And then he's fighting. And he's totally fighting like a samurai. These guys are running at him and he's like, King Swish. Yeah. And these people are just dropping left and right because they're taking the time to run at him one at a time. They're like, as soon as he dies, I'm running next. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that in all martial arts movies because, you know, I'll go back. I watch maybe three, four Jackie Chan movies a year. I'm just like, I'm in the mood, you know? I've, I've got to watch a Jackie Chan movie or a oh, yeah. movie. And um, yeah, I love the guy in the background who's just waiting for his moment to shine. You know, yeah, he's like, he's back there, he's getting amped up, and then the three other guys get killed, and he's like, oh, yeah. my time is now, right? And then as soon as he gets there, dead in one shot, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I love that, and I love the uh, I love the thing where they're running, you know, you see it in samurai movies, uh, where they're running at each other, and oh, yeah, you know, uh, they, they run past, and then one like a minute and a half later just falls down dead. <laughs> the woman falls down. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what I really like about that is somebody commented on YouTube saying, uh, basically it was a fight between me and somebody else that I just threw up on YouTube. And in, in the comments, he's like, you, you should be running past each other. Right. And I'm like, oh. and he's basically saying that you should be fighting like the, the movie samurai that, you know, when they do the right, right. Thing. And I'm like, the thing is, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, but we'd probably, because we're trying to control the center line, we just end up running into each other. <laughs> into right? each other, right? Yeah. Either, th either that or it's like you both throw a number one cut and then you both die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then we both fall down. And that's right. That's, you both yeah. fall down. You're like, no one parried because we ran past each other. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see a film where they run past each other uh, and then one of them has the foresight to like maybe turn around you know, right. and chase the other guy while he's still running away. Because um, if you've got like a full 10 seconds before you realize you're dead, I mean, you might as well, you know, like, ah, right. shit, did actually cut me. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him and take him with me, you know? Right. And uh, I think that there are like a lot of historical examples of that happening oh yeah oh yeah there totally are um i think of a few from swordsmen of the british empire um where somebody like literally has a bayonet stuck through him and it's broken off the end of the rifle but they still manage to stab a guy in the heart and i'm like well if he's not on the ground he can still fight yeah yeah but um people don't want to think about that you know no you want to think about you know I've been I've been stuck in the chest. I'm gonna die immediately while standing over you with my sword. And I, I, oh no! Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna. Yeah, um, no, I love movie logic. I, I can't. 
my students and some other people who know what I do, you know, we're chatting, they're like, oh, hey, um, you know, what do you think of this film? What do you think of that film? And I've told them like time and again, I have to switch that part of my brain off because otherwise I can't enjoy it. Right, uh, it's not, if I don't constantly think it's just entertainment, it's just entertainment, it's just entertainment, then I'm like, you know what happens when they do all that whirly twirly movie crap, right? I'm like, you just reach out and stab them in the chest. Yeah. While they're, ah, and you're just like. I actually did that. Um, I was hanging out with a mate of mine and he had these like st stiff um, blade, uh, I, I, I don't know if you can call it bladed, but lightsabers. Uh, right, right. And uh, he said, you want to fight with them? Uh, and I'm like, yeah, cool. So we went out the back and he starts in with the whole Darth Maul thing. He's, he's doing all of this. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And I let him finish before I just stuck him in the chest with my point. And I'm like, right. Dab. <laughs> Dab. <laughs> you know? like, right? Second day lightsaber training. You're there over there doing all that. And you're just like. <laughs> yeah. I need a new training partner. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, he, he looked like a chat on his dreams as well. It, you know, he's like, but, but I've been practicing. And I'm like, ah, oh, that's sweet. <laughs> right. <laughs> be like, that was very acrobatic. Yeah, it's man. Too bad most, it's like too bad most sword fighting happens on your feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, bless him. He was, a, he was a really sweet guy. And I'm like, I, I could teach you like one or two things if you wanted. And he's like, no, no, no. I've, I've seen this. I've read this manga. I know what I'm talking about. I'm like, cool, cool. Okay. Oh, he read, uh, a, he read a manga and now he's, oh yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's like genuinely sweet dude, but he's, he's just not interested in reality at all. Um, cause it, it just doesn't live up to, I, I don't know, Naruto or whatever it is. He's, uh, he's, yeah, that's, that's a thing though. That's a thing. People, people want the reality to be more like their fantasy, whatever they like game of Thrones or anime or whatever. They're like, they don't understand that it's a show portraying a real thing as fantasy. They, they're like, I want a sword fight. They don't say I want to do it the real way. They go, I want a sword fight like that. Yeah. Like I just saw, like, I want to do the samurai thing where I run through some guy and he falls down because that's real now. Yeah. Because I just imagined it. And it's funny because the, the real enthusiast, the second you get him into a lesson and you're like, well, this is why you don't move like that. Die, 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 die. And they're like, oh, well, now I know the real way to do it. And when somebody does samurai to me, I'm going to kill them really, really bad. Yeah. Right. And, and, and then the other people are like, they can't grasp it. They're like, when do you fall in half? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At what, at what point? Like, yeah. Um, and I think You're like, so you can't, you can't train this at full speed, right? Cause you'll die. And I'm like, Oh no, we train it at full speed. Yeah. I've had two types of people come in who are like that. You know, some of them, they become so they're like, Oh no, no, no. You're threatening. You know, you're threatening the way I think about things. Like you're threatening the way that I think about the world. And I don't want any part of this. Like if, if it's not magic, if it's not, you know, if it's not this, I right. don't want it. 
And then you get other people who absolutely love being able to see behind the curtain. And, oh, yeah. you know, and when you say, nah, that, that wouldn't quite go like that, you know, like I like certain fight scenes, which I know are complete bullshit. Um, you know, uh, movie scenes or in, in uh, TV series or whatever. I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't do that. You would just punch him in the face or whatever. But right. I, I enjoy them. But I also enjoy t- like saying to people, you know, when you're talking to them, when they first come in uh, and they ask you about a particular fight scene, you're like, oh, actually, you know, in the, like in Assassin's Creed or something, you're like, well, actually, you probably you would do it this way instead. And when you see their eyes light up, like you've just imparted some like, you know, real right. knowledge. And they're like, oh, I know, you know, I, I'm, you know, I know the secrets. I'm like, yeah, you're going to do well here. Yeah. yeah no i love i know exactly what you mean i love that I, i've had students actually recently they come at me and they'll be like yo so i saw this in the movie and i've seen you do it in fencing and i'm wondering if you can explain it to me and i'm like well the reason i did it in fencing is because i was using it as a defense you know you make a circle to defend yourself so that you catch the opponent's blade and i'm like in the movie he's just going like this to look really cool and fancy and i'm like do you want to know what you do to somebody who does that you reach right down the middle of their circle and stab them in the chest yeah and they're like oh my god they think you're like a they think you're like a wizard and i'm like it says it in the manual which i could get you a free copy of yeah yeah um i because i've been cornered by people at um conventions like tabletop gaming conventions who wanted to tell me about chi and you know and all this sort of stuff and um they're like no i'm I'm gonna use chi like you know i can use chi to to blast people across the room and this is a legitimate conversation that i've had and i'm like okay cool who came up with this and they're like well these Yeah, and they'll say like these old masters or whatever and stuff like that. And uh, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. I'm like, did they did they use uh, swords? And he's like, yeah, they've got you know these kind of you know. And he'll like talk about the swords. And I'm like, why did he have swords? Like, why did he? Have swords? <laughs> he. I mean, right. he's just there, kind of like, well, because he has to stand up. His <laughs> That's too much. <laughs> it's like those old youtube videos from the 80s with the glam martial artist and the guy's like i'm gonna use my chi to stop your fist and he gets laid out yeah laid out and you're like he's like i'm fine my chi worked <laughs> yeah um oh that's so bad yeah th- there's a video like that of some guy on a beach um and he's teaching people how to use their chi or how to summon their chi. And there's this one woman and um, he's like supposed to, cause he's acting, he's, you know, he's obviously playing a role, but he sprints at her full tilt and she unleashes her chi and he hits her at like a hundred miles an hour. and just like knocks her down and she's lying there with her hip broken. And he's like, oh. <laughs> I mean, that's terrible, but... Oh, I know, yeah. It's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, oh, that's I'll, bad. I'll send you a link because it's like it, it. It's one of those things where he's like, "Ah, shit, the jig's up. I've just been found out." But he pretends like he's having a seizure, um, like he got <laughs> like after the fact. Um, so yeah, I I love I love those videos, um, and uh, I'll send them to my students sometimes, and I'll put them on the on the Facebook group. And I like I just want new students to look at it, just in case I'm like, just think you know, just in case you were still thinking that this is a thing, take take a look at this video and you know and report back to me, you know. Right. Do you want to tell people where they can find you? Oh yeah, Kraken Swords, Orlando, Florida. Uh, we're just a few miles from downtown. We have classes Wednesday night and Saturday morning. And uh, you can find me online, crackingswords.com, for your next trainer or to get information about classes. Awesome. Um, thanks very much for this, buddy. It's been it's been an absolute Any time. blast. Um, yeah, it's been great fun. Uh, oh yeah, so, I'm I'm down to do it again sometime if you want, man. That's I'd love to. Yeah. When did you said you might be coming to Britain? When's that? Maybe on the show. Shit, man. It's soon. Hopefully December, but um, if it. If it happens sooner or after that, it's basically just next available opportunity, you know, soonest available opportunity. Yeah. You know, even even if AHF and everybody can't have classes, we'll fuck off in the woods and fight somewhere and spend the rest of the time in castles and drinking beer, you know, it'll, it'll yeah. be fun. It's the best. Like I said, been training in the woods a lot. Um, what's great about it is that I, I'll teach people stuff and then I'm like, the class of finish officially finishes here. So right, right. If, if people want to fight, it's not my responsibility, but make sure you're wearing protective gear and that you cool down afterwards. And obviously that you're right, right. social distancing, but the class officially ends up here. You're not my responsibility. So yeah, but yeah, given. it would be great to have a fight. Um, Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We'll have to find something in the middle. I do sword and buckler too. So, and I know you're not big on saber and I'm not big on longsword. So we're just gonna have to meet in the middle there. Yeah. I don't mind fighting saber. I'm kind of, I'm kind of more into it now than I was. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's that growing pain kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is new and it's only got one edge, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, no shovel cuts. Yeah, I can't cut with a false edge. This is yeah, but um, now I'm kind of yeah, I kind of like it. Um, I've had uh, I've had a few fights with one, um, and like I said, my grandfather's given me uh, a couple. Oh yeah, in the background here, um, and so I've been out the back and uh, watched a couple of Nick's videos and just gone through some cutting drill stuff. So yeah, it'd be great to. It's like once. Once you have the wrist cut down, everything else is secondary when it comes to blade actions. It's I, biggest thing for me getting people to do saber is not to do this when they oh, cut in and out. Because then, then I then I just throw a cut and immediate when I know you're gonna go like this to like try to parry close to your head or build, pull yeah. you know bend your elbow. Then I just throw one cut and another cut because I know you're gonna go like this and it's gonna be elbow. Yeah, elbow. I have no doubt that you will like take me apart with it. Um, yeah, but I'm not fighting you with longsword, so that's fair. <laughs> <laughs>
If you want to find out more about historical European martial arts, visit www.academyofsteel.com or look for us on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook or you can shoot us over a question at info at academyofsteel.com.